the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to Big Bets on Campus podcast. I'm Stucky, and joining me today, Colin Wilson, my sidekick, and of course, our own college football insider, Brett McMurphy. We are back. It is the 2022 college football kickoff episode, part one of two. I'll go over a bit what we're going to cover in today's episode and the next. I'm excited to be back. This is the fifth year with Action Network. Colin and I have been doing this. Six year overall for the OGs that remember DeGen and Juice when we used to do that in the summer of uh, 2017. I appreciate all of you that have been with us since the very beginning. I'm hyped. August is almost here. It's college football is in the air. Let me start by introing Colin. What's going on, brother? It's good to be back. It's good to be doing this a sixth year with you. It's just, I'm so proud of how far we've come. And uh, it's great to have Brett in the fold and another season. Hopefully you and I can nail it as always, get another national championship future to the window. Hopefully Brett here is going to drop knowledge all season and, and uh, we'll be able to react and, and catch good tickets. You, you're actually with Brett right now as we go into some media days. We're going to cover that in part two. Part one, this is kind of just high level stuff. We'll talk national title futures, some Heisman stuff. But this is just going to be really high level going over just, okay, college football landscape in part one. Who's moving conferences this year, next? What does that mean? You know, we'll talk some Heisman, who can get to the college football playoff, things of that nature. And then in the, in the second part, which will be released right after this, so go ahead. If you're listening to part one, part two should be out as well. We'll talk about some of your guys' takeaways from the media days that you've been to, what we can expect from the Pac-12 on Friday. We'll talk returning production, you know, just kind of summarize the highest and lowest teams, biggest transfer portal names and teams, coaching carousel, uh, both head coaches and coordinators, which teams might have uh, a big either positive or negative bump in that regard. So we'll get to all of that, but let me intro Mr. McMurphy, who I finally got to meet in person. I never met him in person before when we, we all did a, a trip to Denver, which was uh, a blast. Uh, I think that was in early June. What's going on, Brett? Good to see you, Stuck. Good to talk to you again. Uh, I survived Denver. I appreciate you not taking a lot of photos. That that meant a lot to me uh, for reasons we won't go into. But so pumped up about the season. Colin and I have been on a whirlwind tour. Dallas, Atlanta, Charlotte. We're in Indianapolis right Indianapolis now. now. I'm headed to L.A. on Friday. That will complete the McMurphy Slam of the Power Five Conference Media Days. But we're pumped to get going for some uh, actual football on the field in the next month. Yeah, I'll have to join you on a couple next year. I just got back. We did Denver. stopped in D.C. I just got back from Vegas for my birthday and uh, did did a couple national parks with my wife, getting some quality time in before – she doesn't get any for six months. Uh, 
but but I, I'll start with a funny story. We were driving out of Zion National Park, and we were actually headed to Lake Powell before we were going to Vegas, and we had a rented RAV4. We pull out, and we need gas, and we finally get through the park. As I'm driving, I see this little, like, outpost store, and I'm like, oh, there's there's some pumps to the left. Not It wasn't like a gas station. These were ancient pumps, and I was like, I think this is gas, so we pull into the outpost store, pull over to the to the gas pump, so it says, go pay inside. So I go inside there and then they're like, yeah, just give, we'll hold a card, just go out and pay. And then you go out and fill up and come back in and, and pay. So I go outside and my wife is in there just like buying shit. And I fill up the tank. And as I am putting the gas pump down, I realized that I just filled the entire tank with diesel fuel. And <laughs> I, I say to myself, oh my God, I know it's obviously really bad. Luckily I didn't start the car, but like, generally speaking in the u.s any like normal modern pump you can't fit the diesel pump into the gas tank but this was this this pump was so old and there was only three things there wasn't like a separate diesel one or it wasn't off to the left there was just three pumps and then the, the all the way on the left one was the diesel one and i'm just so used to grabbing i was green i should have noticed but it fit right in and i filled it all the way up i had to go in and talk about she thought i was just fucking around and making a joke and the lady at the register was like no i can check to see what you filled up she's like you filled up diesel so we had a call. The closest town is like Kanab, Utah. It was like an hour away. We had a call and get a, a tow because you can't start and run the car with, uh, I would have been buying a, a rental. I would have had to have a good college football year this year if I had to end up buying a RAV4 from a, a rental place, a Nebraska RAV4. I don't know what the sign is there. But um, so we had to get a tow to the Ramseys. They were awesome. They were so nice. Probably the nicest mechanic shop I've ever been to in my life. But they say gas is getting expensive. It cost me $500 to fill up the tank because I had to get it drained and then refilled. Making a case for the state of Oregon where it's illegal to pump your own gas, right? Jersey, too. And my wife won't let me live it down. We were walking by in Vegas. We we're walking by a diesel store. She's asking if I want to go in there taking pictures. But hopefully that's the bad one of the bad beats we get out of the way in the summer before the college football season. But before we dive into everything here, quick message from our producer, the beloved Matt Mitchell, who's kind of going to go over what you can expect from a scheduling perspective throughout the summer and then into the season. Thank you, Stucky. And welcome back everyone to our second season right here on VBOC. As we build up to week zero, one month from today, on August 27th, here is our BBOC schedule. First off, we'll have full conference preview episodes for each of the Group of Five conferences, led by our Group of Five deep dive tandem of Mike Calabrese and Mike Ionello, and they'll be joined by either Stucky, Colin, or Brett for each of those episodes. Those will start dropping later this week with the Sun Belt, and then Next week, we'll have the Mountain West, Conference USA, and the AAC, and we'll wrap those up on Monday, August 8th, with an episode covering our beloved MAC. After that, we'll begin our Power 5 conference previews with Stucky and Cowan. The week of August 8th, we'll do the Big 12 and the ACC. The following week, the week of the 15th, we'll have our usual two-part SEC episode, followed by the Big 10, and then last, and certainly least, as always, We'll do the Pac-12. Oh, no! We suck again! The week of August 22nd, leading up to week zero, we'll drop a special episode summarizing our team's favorite future plays across every conference, plus their Heisman Trophy picks. And starting this year, with the help of our beloved insider, Brett McMurphy, we'll also have an episode announcing our first annual Action Network preseason All-American team. Should be a lot of fun. 
but rest assured, during the majority of the season, we'll still be dropping the same four episodes every single week. Monday mornings will be our recap episode featuring your deranged Bad Beat voicemails. Tuesday will be our Sources edition with Colin and Brett discussing the future markets and the biggest news items in college football. Midday Wednesdays will be our Group of Five deep dive with Calabrese and Ionello. And Thursday night into Friday morning will be our flagship college football betting previews with Stucky and Colin. I personally thank you from the bottom of my withered gambling heart for joining us for another season. Good luck with all your bets. And remember to heed the advice of television senator and Ohio State fan Roger Furlong before the season kicks off. I think you might want to get yourself a helmet and a bulletproof vest and an iron jock strap because you're going to get your head shot, your back stabbed, and your nuts danced on. Have a good Monday. I appreciate you, Matt. Yeah, so we're going to have group of five, the Mikes, who do a great job with that episode every week. Colin, myself, and Brett, as Matt alluded to, will be on those episodes. Uh, then Colin and I will do the Power Five. Probably have Brett on for like the Big 12 episode. We'll have a couple guests, probably talk to Brody. Then we'll have a, a recap episode. And then all of a sudden, Week Zero is going to be here. We got Vandy Hawaii, and we'll be right in, right into it. So, uh, and then voicemails. Voicemail will be back this year, as always. So I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Let's have a big year. All right, let's kick things off. And I guess the, a good place to start is the changing college football landscape. And this is why it's so great to have Brett here. I mean, because no one is more in the know. I guess I should start just for this year. There are some changes that I'll just mention for those not familiar. There's only 11 teams now in Conference USA, no divisions. Old Dominion, Southern Miss, and Marshall are gone. They have now gone to the Sun Belt. James Madison, first year in FBS. Is also now on the Sun, about 14 teams in the belt this year. Don't let the latest come between you and the belt. I went back and looked. There was 12 teams that were new to FBS between 2008 and 2018. Three had winning records. Three went six and six. Six had losing records. Average wins about, uh, I think it was 4.25. In the Sun Belt, there were five. Five of those teams were from the Sun Belt and joined in their first year, two had winning seasons, two had losing seasons, one went six and six. Very wide spectrum. Georgia State went 0 and 12 in their first year. Georgia Southern went nine and three. Although I think James Madison only has 11 games this year, and they did lose a lot. New, new defense coordinator, I believe, and way down there in the experience chart, which we'll get to um, as far as returning experience is concerned. So just get that out of the way. There's some changes in conference, and we have a new team this year. But more importantly, we've had shocking college football news. Pretty much for like two months straight. We saw the SEC add Oklahoma and Texas to get to 16 teams. I got to ask Brett if you think that's that's 2025's expectation, but they're trying to expedite that. Big 10 then responded by adding USC and UCLA. They are now at 16 teams. So it's like the power two. So I have a lot of questions here, Brett. You can fill us in. But, you know, what's going to happen with the top ACC teams? Is it going to be an ACC Pac-12 merger? How about Oregon, Washington, where does Notre Dame fit? There's a Big 12 now. Are they going to look at some of the Pac-12 schools to get to 16? Because they did add BYU and the three best teams in the AAC. So there's a lot going on. Brad, I'm going to throw it to you. First of all, let's start with Oklahoma, Texas. When, what's the update on when you think, when you expect that to happen? Well, they have continually said they will not leave the Big 12 early. So that means they will not join the SEC until the 2025 season. Uh, something still could get done. However, with the grant of rights for that final year, the amount of money it would cost for them to get out of the league, 
it looks like they're going to stay put the next couple of years before they go to the to the SEC. You've got USC and UCLA on June 30th announced they're going to the Big Ten. That's where Colin and I are currently right now. It's Tuesday, so I want to let people know when this is recorded because who knows, it may change the second we get done recording. But I reported earlier today that that the Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren told me that, you know, everyone knows they want Notre Dame. But he also told me that there are, quote, a handful of schools that would add value to his league. Now, he wouldn't go into specific schools, but I talked to sources throughout the conference. And the schools that are being considered by the Big Ten are Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal, Miami, and Florida State. What does that mean? That means the Big Ten is not done expanding. A source told me it could happen in two days. It could happen in two months. It could happen in two years. They're not standing pat. Obviously, Notre Dame's their number one target. Uh, USC and UCLA would join in 2024, depending on when they could add some or all of these schools uh, would depend on when they could join. Obviously, Florida and Florida State and Miami are the most, excuse me, the least likely because they have their grant of rights in the ACC through 2036. But if somehow, some way, the ACC schools can get out of that before 2036, the Big Ten would love to have two schools in the state of Florida. So if that happens, it's it's dominoes. So what happens next? The Big 12, if those schools leave the Pac-12, the Big 12 has been talking with, no surprise here, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. So if Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford are gone from the Pac-12, or even just Oregon and Washington, then I think Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah go to the Big 12. Then if that happens, you could be down to four power conferences instead of five. I asked Kevin Warren that. He said this is basically a five-year transition period with everything going on. The market will dictate how many power leagues we end up with. I said, will it be two? Will it be three? Will it be four? He goes, we really don't know. I think we end up with four. I think the Big 12 will get those other Pac-12 schools. And then basically, you've only got Oregon State and Washington State left in the Pac-12. There will be no conference. So they would probably have to go join the Mountain West, which sucks if you know, you're know you an Oregon State or Washington State fan. And um, I think the SEC stays at 16. I think the, the schools the SEC wants are in the ACC. And they can't get those supposedly until 2036 or so. Their number one target would be North Carolina. Why North Carolina? Because the SEC is not in that state. So it's a it's a brand new market. They also would like somebody from Virginia, whether it's Virginia or Virginia Tech. Then I think they would look at a Clemson, a Florida State, a Miami, something along those lines. So, Sucky, as far as this year, I mean, you nailed it. Conference USA and, and the Sun Belt are the only, only conferences impacted. Next year, we've got UCF, Houston, BYU and Cincinnati going to the Big 12. We've got six schools going from Conference USA to the American. We've got Conference USA adding Liberty and some FCS schools. Um, And then in 2024, USC and UCLA. And then 2025, Oklahoma, Texas. And then I think by then we'll see these Pac-12 schools go to the the Big 10. And I hate to say this because it sucks for college football, but I think if the Big 10 does get at least two Pac-12 schools, that the Pac-12 will not exist in the next six years. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. I mean, the Big 12 also, I, that's what I think it's headed to. I think we're we're definitely going to have three power conferences 
Although the Big 12, they can't lose like Kansas, TCU, and West Virginia. There's rumors that those schools have been going, you know, talking elsewhere. Or other, So you can't lose them, but you've added some, and then you can add some of these Pac-12 teams. Can the ACC keep up? Are they going to lose teams? They do have that media contract, um, which makes it a little tougher. But can, can they keep up and be that fourth power conference team? Uh, it's going to be fascinating. And then Notre Dame, I mean, Notre Dame also could make sense of the ACC, right? I mean, they were technically in the ACC for what, a year. They get, they go to the big 10, they make a hundred million a year. They're in the ACC. They make 30 or 40 million a year. So I know you're not a math major, but what would you do? You'd go to the big 10. Yeah. So they, they would, they, would they have to give up? How does that work with like their rights? Like how much, like, you know, with their, you know, they have exclusive NBC stuff and all that. Would they have to give that up or share it or? They're currently renegotiating their NBC deal. So the, the thinking is if NBC gives them upwards of 75 million, then they would stay in independent because they're in the ballpark with the, the Big Ten and the SEC, what those schools are making. However, if NBC can't get up to that number, Notre Dame may decide their best avenue is, is to join a conference, and they, go, they would go with the Big Ten. If they go with the ACC, they're not going to make the revenue. Now, Notre Dame's never going to save out money, and it, it isn't to an extent, but still, it's, it's 1A, it's money, and it's 1B, it's access to the playoff, and we don't know what's going to happen in the future of the playoff. And Kevin Warren talked about this today. Colin and I heard Greg Sankey talk about it last week in Atlanta. We don't know what the new college football playoff format is going to look like. You know, there's talk eight teams. Were they hitting 16, 16 I've been hearing 16. lately? I mean, Mike Leach may get his wish. He wants 64 teams. <laughs> I asked him that at Atlanta. I said, Mike, with all this conference realignment, are you optimistic you're going to have your 64-team playoff? And in classic Mike Leach style, he said, yeah, that'll be a conference playoff. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, the 16-team playoff. I, look, I'm I'm fine with it. I think eight would have been perfect before with the five power conferences. You get, you know, your group of five and then two wild cards. If there's more football and more playoffs, fine. So be it. Um, I don't really care. I just want I just want an expanded playoff, especially we're changing everything anyway. So why not change this in the future? But it, I believe they've already verified the college football playoff will remain at four teams through 2025. And as we mentioned, there's some rumors that it might go to 16. Thereafter, if you look back, there's been eight college football playoffs. There's only 13 teams that have participated in those eight college football playoffs. Colin, let, let me bring you in here because yeah. a lot of the, you know, we're already, we're already seeing in college basketball and college football, all these teams change conferences all the time. Um, you've been like Southwest Conference, SEC. You've, you've seen it before. As a fan, like a, just a purely Arkansas fan, because from a betting perspective, it's like, all right, the, the teams are the teams. We got to figure out a power rate, and then we figure out the bet. Who cares? Just give me college football. But from as a fan perspective, do you care? Um, are you excited that there's just you're going to have Oklahoma and Texas in the conference? Is it just I, I don't care? Just tell me Arkansas is going to be in. I don't care about the tradition and rivalries. And Fred, I'll ask you next with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. But what are your thoughts there, Tom? Yeah, when Arkansas left the Southwest Conference, I mean, it was an Arkansas-Texas show, especially in basketball every single season, mostly in football every season. That's That was it. That was 1-2, Arkansas-Texas. And when we left that rivalry, Frank Royals would say, you know, we are leaving because of, you know, TV rights. We're leaving because it's going to help recruiting. We can recruit Florida because we're already recruiting 
Texas. But let's be honest, the move was made because of money. South Carolina and Arkansas went into the SEC in 1992 because of money. It was not a geographical fit. I mean, it's a it's an hour and a half drive from Fayetteville to Stillwater. It's a, it's a three and a half hour drive to Norman. It made no sense whatsoever to put Arkansas in that league. And that's just the world that we're going to have to live in now, right? We're going to pack 12 after dark, and it's going to be Rutgers playing at Oregon, right? I, I mean, we're, we're going to be living in this really strange world. For me, I'm extremely happy that Arkansas is going to be in a pod, an SEC pod that includes Oklahoma and Texas. For me, I can start driving to away games. So I think there's pluses and minuses as a fan. I think if you like Notre Dame and paying $9.99 to Peacock, you might end up paying $14.99 to Peacock per month because they have to get that money, that $75 million that Brett was talking about. I think as a gambler, let me end on this, as a gambler, odds makers are not keeping up with this stuff as fast as Brett is. And what I mean by that is they wiped away divisions in the Pac-12 and the odds did not move at all. And so you look at the schedules like – North, South, uh, certain teams play each other, certain don't. And you look at it and you say, yeah, Utah and USC play each other, but they can have a rematch in the Pac-12 championship game, just like what we had during the pandemic season. Of course, that's when they wouldn't let Colorado get in because of divisions, right? Uh, so they, uh, the oddsmakers did not move their lines whatsoever, and it was just going to be the top two teams. Now, no other divisions have been wiped that we know of this year, but next year, the Mountain West gets their divisions wiped. So... I would say as a gambler, just make a little well, conference note. USA. There's no divisions just because teams left. So it's just 11 right. teams. Yeah. Whoever wins it <laughs> by default, they had to, yeah, by default, they had to go to no divisions, yeah. but next year mountain West loses their divisions uh, should be the same set of teams. So keep a, you know, just keep a little asterisk or a calendar reminder next year. When you start gambling after March madness on college football, the mountain West doesn't have any divisions and pay attention to those schedules because it doesn't matter anymore about winning your division and meeting each other in the conference championship game. But that's where we, st I stand as a, as a fan and as a gambler. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I don't, I don't have a team. I just have a team of who I've my any future or the team I bet on that day. I mean, I went to GW, which doesn't have a football team, but I just hope that we can keep some of the rivalries. I don't know if that's going to be possible, but like, look at Clemson, South Carolina, right? Like they play each other at the end of the year. I live in Kentucky. Actually, I should say I root for Kentucky now from OF and, and for the bar here before she kills me. Didn't Nebraska and OU kind of set this though? I mean, wasn't that one of the longest rivalries in the history of college football? Stops playing because of, you know, the Big 12 and Nebraska leaves for the Big 10. Shout out to Better Call Saul for all that talk on better uh, on a Nebraska football last night. Uh, but I, I mean, we cast your tickets on Kyle mentioning Better Call Saul on the first <laughs> episode of the year. We still are waiting on the Arkansas. We already talked about Arkansas football, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's already happening, right? The, the rivalries are already disappearing. Stuck. Yeah, I just hope that there's a way. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Brett, do you care about that rivalry? Is that what, something that you're you're going to be upset about if that doesn't persist? Yeah, I do. And, it, I, you know, I, I'm an Oklahoma State alum, and I've talked to, to people at Oklahoma State, high up the food chain there. I obviously know a lot of, a lot of people that went to school there. And it seems like, you know, because of hurt feelings – Oklahoma State doesn't want to play Oklahoma, but I think if you take a step back, and it's hard to take yourself out of the equation, should Oklahoma State continue to play Oklahoma? Absolutely. I mean, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, do you want to rather, would you rather see Oklahoma come in every other year or Tulsa in Central Michigan? I mean, it's it's a no-brainer. And also, oh, by the way, you're going to get more, more revenue playing Oklahoma. You're going to get a better TV slot. Um, you're going to sell more tickets, et cetera, et cetera. But kind of what Colin alluded to, since all these conference realignments have happened, 
the school that has left the conference and the teams were in the same conference, those teams have stopped playing. Texas A&M and Texas, although now they'll be back together in the same conference they'll have to play. Um, Kansas and Missouri, that's a huge rivalry. They won't play each other anymore in football because of that. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State could be another possibility. Um, the backyard brawl is finally coming back. Colin and I talked to Pat Narduzzi about that. Eight of 11 years, they're going to play each other, right? Eight of the next right. 11 they years. Fi- but yeah. initially, it took a while. And then finally, they, they figured out, look, these teams need to play. It means more. Um, so, yeah, it's just, you know, I think what Kevin Warren said today, basically, it's been hinted and suggested by a lot of people, but he just came out and said it. It's basically college athletics is a business. And we're going to do what's best for the Big Ten Conference. The SEC is going to do what's best for them. And at the end of the day, we're going to end up, one coach told me today, we know what's going to happen. We're going to have, we're going to have a Big Ten with 20 or more teams. We're going to have an SEC with 20 or more teams. Uh, the, the winners, will, one will be on Fox, one will be on ESPN. The winners will play in a college version of the Super Bowl. And the teams with six wins will go play in a Tampa Bowl. And the teams with seven wins will go play in an Orlando Bowl. And that's going to be college football in five or six years. And because of that, and it sucks because we're going to lose a lot of these rivalries that we've grown, we've grown up watching, uh, they won't exist anymore because schedules won't allow those games to play. And, and what's interesting about Brett is saying is that the SEC did not sound like any of the coaches did not sound like they wanted to give up 10 horn weekend. You all don't remember the Georgia Southern game, do you? They run through our ass like shit through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. Those games against the Citadel, those games against FCS, they need that on the schedule. They, they, all the SEC coaches talk about how brutal it is to play in the conference, and they have to have you know a couple of weekends where they play Alcorn. And so, you know, with this new model that we're going to, it's not going to be twelve weeks of you know back to back of Clemson, Bama, Georgia, like. That's just impossible. So I'm interested to see what they do from a scheduling standpoint. And Stucky, from a conference championship, are those even going to exist anymore, or are they just going to roll eight or 16 teams into a playoff and say there's no such thing as an SEC champion anymore? I I don't know how you determine that with 20 teams. Yeah, I don't know. Yes, yeah, that's a good question. Well, that's that book. This is all stuff in the future. It's really interesting, but that's probably the last time we'll spend uh, any real time on the future beyond this year because – this is a betting show, and betting we're going to talk about this year. Um, we have a lot we're to get to this year. 2025 Big Ten Championship. You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, get your futures in early. All right, let's uh, we'll just let's take a take a look at the lay of the land for this year. And the first thing that jumps out to me, you know, when I'm I'm almost done my all of my preseason work. I have three MAC teams left. Um, and then I got to, I got to finish my Mac manifesto. I'm, I did 128 teams. I got three Mac teams left, um, to finalize, like just all the cleanup work. And I think this is obvious to everyone, but it looks like to me that there's two clear teams that are head and shoulders. And we've seen some years like this in the past, Alabama and Ohio state to me are clearly head and shoulders above the rest. So if you look at the odds, you know, Bama's around two to one plus 175 to win the national title. It's the revenge tour for Saban from last year. We know that's scary. They tend to win it like almost every other year on the dot. I think they've won it six in the past 12. Ohio State, three to one. And then, you know, you have Georgia, four to one, which I think is way too low. They lost 15 guys to the NFL draft. And But you, 
you know, the market's still giving them respect, still a very talented team. And then there's a drop off to Clemson 10 to one. So like usually, you know, some years we have three or four teams that you're like, okay, these are, I think these four teams are going to go to the college football playoff, but look, Clemson, there's questions at quarterback. They lose both coordinators. We saw them have, you know, semi down year compared to Clemson in the past. And then Georgia lost all that talent from the national championship team. After that, I mean, the drop off is to, to what, 20 to one. Um, so there's two clear teams here, Alabama, Ohio state. I think it's pretty, you know, safe assumption without catastrophic injuries or crazy upset. Those two teams are going to be in the college football playoff. That's what you're going to get from Clemson. They do host NC state. If they win the ACC, are they going there? Um, there's the door open for some college football playoff spots beyond Alabama and Ohio state. Colin, I'll start with you. What do you see from a futures perspective um, for the national title? Yeah, I, I'm with you 100%. Alabama and Ohio State are going to play the national championship game. While you got up and went to the airport after the Georgia-Alabama national championship from the Westgate, I was hot on the trail of an 8-1 to that a, a fan duel put out on Ohio State. So I uh, was oh, able man. to get some money done on that. I'm happy about that. But, Stucky, I mean, when we're trying to fill these other two spots, I look around. I went to ACC Media Days last week with one agenda get as close as I can to DJ Uyunglele and figure out if this kid has got what it takes to lead Clemson. Because it was just based on defense, we could just write Clemson in. Clemson would be there. That This defensive line is going to rival the 28 defensive line, uh, the 2018, I should say, 2018 defensive line, possibly one of the best defenses in college football ever. Uh, so Clemson is there from a defensive perspective. With DJ, there's <laughs> two big takeaways. He's lost a lot of weight. Uh, and without throwing shade to Kobe Pace or Will Shipley, he essentially said Travis Etienne's the greatest weapon that ever existed in college football. And of course, he's not in college football anymore. So, uh, right. So DJ is also my second takeaway from that was DJ's an extremely sensitive kid. He hears all of us talking. He reads all of us writing. And I'm just not sure that that is going to be stable enough for me to trust to put any money on him to make the playoffs let alone to win the ACC. So I think the question is, is which one loss team is going to come out of the ACC and challenge to get in there? But I do have full confidence that a one loss team will come out of the ACC and fill it. And I feel even more confident that that team's not going to be a Clemson. Maybe it's a, a Trevor Lawrence scenario and they turn to the Klubnik, who's like, was the number, I think the number one overall recruit He's a true freshman. Right. Maybe he's the answer. But the other thing you have to keep in mind with Clemson, I don't know if they're kind of falling behind. They're, Dabo, I don't know why he's still coaching, by the way. He said he was going to retire if there was ever players were ever paid. So uh thought you were a man, man of your word, Dabo. There you go. Great conversation. I'd like some time out. I'd like to take a nap. But number one, they've had coordinator continuity, something that Alabama hasn't had for years. And, you know, Alabama's had to deal with that. And we've seen some years where, you know, Alabama has to adjust. This is the first year where Clemson, they lose two premier coordinators um, who are now head coaches in FBS, how does that impact them? And Clemson's not really hitting the transfer portal. Who, who, who did they bring in from the – they brought Hunter Johnson, like the worst – they brought him back. That's very on brand for Clemson. He was at Clemson, and he went to Northwestern, and they brought him back. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the quarterback position at Clemson. The good news is they do host NC State, depending on how those teams look, like seven to ten-point favorites. And that could go a long way in determining who wins the ACC. But – We'll talk more about that on our ACC preview. 
if you had a guess right now, do you even have who, who's the fourth? Like, let's say the one loss ACC team. Is it from the Pac-12? Is it the big? Do you see someone emerging from the Big 12? Is it two I, SEC teams? If you gave me about 10 beers, you could convince me that a one-loss Pac-12 team is going to make it into the playoff. But how many times have I sat here and said, this is the year that Utah is going to finally make it? Hey, Colin. Uh, it's Matt. I can answer that. A shitload of times. Utah has been at the door knocking forever, and then they shoot themselves in the foot. Every single Pac-12 team that has one loss and goes into the Pac-12 championship game keeps themselves from getting into the playoff. Ever since Washington was there in 2016, didn't cover the spread against Alabama, the Pac-12 just somehow finds a way to keep themselves out. Utah, in my opinion, is the best team. We will break that down in their own conference preview. But can Utah get to that finish line with just one loss? I think they can, but I haven't put any coin on it. I'll put coin down on them to win the conference. You want me to put coin down and then make it in the playoff? That's a whole different story. Did you say Utes? Yeah, Utes. If you think they could run the, the have one loss, maybe you buy them after. Sorry to bring the sore subject up. If they lose week one at Florida, I think they're what a field goal underdog. If they lose that game, reminiscent of I hit Ohio State fifty to one when they won it all, but seven eight years ago after they lost to Va Tech early in the season, and then they ended up getting in over TCU much to the chagrin of Colin, who had TCU at like 250 to one during the season. And then Ohio State ended up winning it all. So maybe that's a route because, yeah, I think that maybe during the season, if someone loses a team, uh, a game early because of this lack of, uh, we don't really know the third and fourth teams that, you know, one of these teams that's in the mix, they lose a, a game early. You might be able to get some value on them in the futures market by taking a stab on them once their odds plummet after a loss. Two teams that fit that bill stuck are Oregon. Uh, Oregon's playing Georgia right off the bat, and then Texas is going to play Alabama in week two. I'm not saying that either Oregon or Texas can run the table after those Texas losses. Texas is back. Colin is saying it. Texas keep, is back. Keep your eyes on that, all right? That's all I'm saying. We were in Dallas at Big 12 Media Days, and Colin went sat down in front of Sarkeesian's media availability. I think he was there like an hour before Sark got there. He got front row, center. Colin's eyes, I've never seen his eyes glaze over like this when he was looking at Sark. It was, it was, it was just magical. You just had to be there. So don't be surprised by Colin's love for the long horn. Matt Mitchell, cue the love boat music. Love. Exciting and new. Come aboard. We're expecting you. No, all I did was sit down and I asked Sark about his 12. Yeah. Will you marry me? Are you going to run more tight end sets? Tell me about Jaleel Billingsley transferring in. And Sark was tired of talking about conference realignment. He wanted to talk football. So I would say that, yeah, there's the beginning of something special there between me and Coach Sark. Does he still follow you on Twitter? Yes. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, would you have anything on the college football playoff, Brett? I think George is the third best team. I know they lost a ton on defense, like you said. You, they're going to be favored in every game. Yeah, uh, they have a really favorable schedule for an SEC team. They're going to be, look, 12-1 and Georgia that loses to Alabama in the SEC title game is in the college football playoff. My four team, I'm taking a fly on this. Um, give me the fighting Mario Cristobal's at Oof. Miami. So you did decide to get rid of the turnover chain, um, according to your conversation with the Action Network. Like, what, what led to that decision? Because I know it was a fan favorite. We're just focused on other stuff. We're focused on technique, fundamentals. 
toughness, finish, academics, community. Leadership. I know they have to play at A&M. I know they have to play at Clemson. I think the, I think the ACC is up for grabs. NC State's getting a lot of love. They're kind of a dark horse favorite, but talking with people in Charlotte, calling to talk to a lot of these folks, you kind of get the vibe where they're kind of not feeling the pressure, but they realize the expectations put on them. They've never had these types of expectations before. I think somebody on our pod that has a power rating may have them ranked fourth in the country. I don't want to say what his name is, but his initial Colin Wilson I don't think NC State's fourth best team in the country. I think they remind of Iowa State last year, who I had in the top five preseason. I think the Pac-12 beats up on each other. I don't think the the Big 12 champion is going to be in the playoff by a matter of elimination. I'm going to take a flyer with Miami to get that fourth spot. It's so wide open. You could pick any team for that fourth spot. I agree with you. There's not only a top two, there's a top two plus Georgia, and then you fall off a cliff. And then you could name 20 teams and have as good a shot to get the playoff as, as any in that, in that group. I got Tyler Van Dyke like one-on-one. And first off, that guy's a dude. And he said he was talking about how Miami is now taking this seriously. Listen, I learned a lot from De'Ara King, but no one was going to class. No one was showing up on time. And it was just a very disorganized program last year. Now everybody's showing up to class, everybody's showing up on time, and we have one vision. My problem is is his comments about the offensive line, about how they're going to move the pocket a lot, they're going to have a lot of pulling guards and pulling tackles, and that just tells me that you are avoiding uh, just lining up and beating the hell out of people right in front of you. So I understand the steam behind Miami, but Crystal Ball doesn't have his guys in there yet. Brad, my one point, Georgia, yeah, I mean, Georgia might be the third best team, but I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I do think that there's a significant – drop off from one, two. But I just think that – I think that Georgia's going to – after all that they lost, I think that they're going to slip up at some point in their schedule. It could be at South Carolina week three. Like, there's going to be – uh, it could be at Kentucky or at Miss State. I know their schedule is very favorable if you look. Like, you don't – you're not going to see a Texas A&M or Alabama on there. But I think that they're going to slip up. And then if they win their division, you want that revenge spot against the Alabama team that I think is significantly better than this year, then they're going to have two losses. So I, that's why I don't think Georgia's getting to the college football playoff. And I wouldn't be shocked if Georgia loses two games during the regular season. That that South Carolina game just is – if they don't have th- – if they're still trying to figure some things out, that's a uh, – weird things can happen there, uh, especially if Spencer Rattler has figured some things out. Spencer Rattler against Georgia's defense? Look, Georgia's defense okay. lost about nine I'll NFL take, guys. I'll I don't the – there could be now. some – the same South Carolina team that beat Georgia – in week, I think, three or four is 24-point underdogs in Athens. 2019, they won a double overtime in Athens, 20-17, to 20-point underdogs. I'm going to set an over-under of week zero when Stucky changes his mind out of South Carolina and flips into Kentucky, the team that I think is the true dark horse in that division. No, I'm low on Kentucky. I'm gonna, uh, the, we'll Ooh. get to their SEC preview. So it's my uh, wild it's your Razorbacks. Is that how we're going to Yeah, play? I think the Bulldogs have a better – Mississippi State has a better chance. Mike Leach, third year, third spring. Go look at Mike Leach's third years at every stop. He's won at least nine games every time. It's all about timing with that offense. They have everyone back. I think they're one of the most experienced teams in the country, or I know that. Um, so that Georgia game in between at Kentucky and Tennessee, it's a, that's going to be a, a, a tricky uh, trip down to Cowbell Town. But, by the way, you mentioned NC State, and I said they remind me of Iowa State. Week one. Oh, boy. Don't be shocked when East Carolina upsets NC State in Greenville. Nasty rivalry. Go look at the history of NC State, East Carolina. 
over the past 20 years. They played for I don't know, decades when they were only playing Raleigh. The home team dominates that series. That's gonna that building is gonna be electric. Um, maybe Hunter Ehlers will forget that it's not November. Um, but that East Carolina team is is sneaky. NC State, all of the expectations. I could see them go. I could see them dropping that game. Uh, I know my I have a lot from some good friends in Rye. They don't want to hear that now, but I promise you, when they go to sleep at night, and especially as that game nears, they're nervous about that game. I promise you. Um, all right, before we wrap up week one, excuse me, part one. As I mentioned before, part two, we'll talk coaching changes, coordinator changes, impact transfers, experience, um, returning experience, and then we'll get some some of your guys uh, take away from some of the media days you've been to. But let's close up with with some Heisman talk. If you look at the Heisman odds, the theme's going to be similar to the national title. You see Bama and Ohio State, clear favorites. Four of the top six favorites for the Heisman are either Alabama or Ohio State players. You see C.J. Stroud is the favorite, plus 225. Bryce Young, plus 350. Caleb Williams, you, uh, Ohio, Oklahoma transfer out at USC, 7-1. B. John Robinson and Will Anderson, 20 to 1. The Jigba, 25, 25 to 1. So four of the top six, Bama, Ohio State. Obviously, Bryce Young won it last year. Only, only once has someone won the Heisman in back-to-back years. It's Archie Manning. Uh, Archie Griffin, excuse me. Um, and, you know, there's a defender in there. There's some wide receivers. There's only been two non-quarterbacks that have won it in the last 12 years. Williams for Alabama recently. And then back in 2009, Mark Ingram won it um, as a running back. And there's only one defender has ever won the Heisman, Charles Woodson. But you could argue he wasn't a true defender because he would play on special teams and uh, dabbled in some offense too. So like a true, de- a true pure defender has never won the Heisman. So, I mean, I have, I have trouble getting behind Will Anderson. I have 20 to one for a defender. Um I can, Colin, you, you think there's going to be Bryce Young fatigue, which is one of the reasons why it's so hard to win Heisman back-to-back years. And another is like the player might be gone to the NFL or has graduated. But do you think there's Young fatigue? Do you have a, a name or someone you're interested in for the Heisman? Yeah, the people that are talking about Bryce Young fatigue are also the ones that are promoting C.J. Stroud. Now, before I get into who I Oh, and I should mention we are Heisman voters too. So we will have yeah the three uh, of us are Heisman, yeah the three of us are Heisman voters now and uh, we jo- we join this exclusive club and to let you give you some insight about what I heard of media days this is my fourth Power Five conference media days to go to uh, I've heard out of numerous numerous big time reporters out of other uh, you know other places uh, like I mean just for instance an hour ago. Uh, Dennis Dodd, all he could talk about was how Will Anderson got screwed because Aiden Hutchinson was voted number two and, and Will Anderson didn't even make a trip to New York. I've heard that every single place I've gone. Do I think Will Anderson is a good bet to win the Heisman? No. If you give me a prop in the market that Will Anderson's going to finish second, I would hammer that because there is a national sentiment with all of these writers, conferences, everybody that Will Anderson should have been in that spot and not Aiden Hutchinson. So assuming Will Anderson puts up the numbers he did last year for Alabama, that's your number two going into this season. Now, I do think there's going to be Bryce Young fatigue. You look at the history that there hasn't been any repeat Heisman going on. I do think Alabama is going to be the national championship game with Ohio State. But that leads me back to the C.J. Stroud. 
But my long shot pick was Jackson, Jackson Smith and the Jigba. Problem is, that's no longer a dark horse and a long shot anymore. He's down to 25 to 1. Staying in the Big Ten, any thoughts on I, – I, I'm going to throw – look, this is – I'm a Heisman voter, um, and I, it's, it's subjective, but I'm interested in Braylon Allen. 75 to 1, 70 to 1 out there. I love the kid. You dig into the advanced metrics on him. In the same games when he was playing with Malusi and company, his expected yards were almost three times as much. I mean, it is stunning. And then once he took over full time, going over 100 yards every game, averaged 6.8 yards per carry, monster. And you know he's going to get fed, and you know he's going to get the volume. The question is, like, can Wisconsin get enough wins? Is their defense going to take a step back? And But, I mean, he wasn't even getting that many t- – he wasn't getting a lot of, like, you know, 30 touches, and he put up monster numbers – I think he's an absolute stud, uh, a tad bit under bad. He's an intriguing option if you want to throw a dart. Brett, you got Tyler Van Dyke. Are you going to stick with your Miami love here? I agree with Colin. Bryce Young is not going to win the Heisman. I think he's already been eliminated, to be honest, because I've, I have voted for the Heisman for a long time. And I just know the, the voters don't look at what he did this year. They look at what he didn't do compared to last year. So unless he just has double the stats he had the year before, I don't think they'll give him a give him a chance. And I think what Colin mentioned about what Dennis said is, you know, it's not intentional, but you know, reporters and sports writers, you get things kind of stuck in your mind. You you and Colin get things stuck in your mind about a certain team. You feel a certain way, and maybe you're biased where you think they're better than they are or they're worse than they are, and that's kind of always there. So you kind of do that with with these players and think, wow, this guy, you know, got screwed last year. So I'm going to make up for it this year where this guy won it last year. So we want somebody different to have it this year. I honestly don't have a good read on the Heisman last year, Colin and I's podcast. Thanks for listening, Stucky. We correctly pegged Bryce Young halfway through the season that he would get it. We also thought, I also thought Alabama would win the title. They didn't, but Bryce did enough to win it. If Bryce loses to Auburn, Alabama loses to Auburn. I don't think he wins the Heisman. That's how that's how um, these voters can flip flop based on one game, based on one play. I mean, right now, I don't think there's really any value on anybody. I think C.J. Stroud would be my pick to win it right now because I think Ohio State will blow through the Big Ten. They'll get to the college football playoff, and they will exceed what they did last year, and it'll be a fresh story. I think he'll be the guy, but his numbers are so low. I wouldn't, I wouldn't waste any money on that. And the, as far as long shots, there's so many long shots. You know, you're just like, instead of lighting your money on fire, just send it to me. Um, I'll find something to do with it. But can the three of us agree we're not betting Caleb Williams? I mean, can, can I'm not betting Caleb. I won't bet Caleb Williams, no matter what happens. Yeah, I know. I never bet the Heisman seriously. It'll just, it's a fun bet. No, no Bo Nix love, but the Bo Nix Heisman train. It's Bo time. Boom. Like a powder keg in your mouth. Southern style. Graham Mertz. What's Graham Mertz's price? Maybe he can complete a pass this year. And Georgia runs a table, upsets Alabama in the SEC title game. Stetson Bennett could get it. You're going to bet Stetson Bennett to win the Heisman. Just send me your money. Save your money. Gina Ferretta, like, like Stetson Heisman. Bennett. All right, let's end there. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. We're going to be right back with part two. We'll continue this argument and Brett's, uh, hyping of Stetson Bennett for the Heisman, but I appreciate you listening. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. We're back. Let's get up the rankings. We appreciate all your help. Leave a review. We'll do giveaways. So leave a five-star review, say anything. You can 
You can make fun of Brett for hype and sets and benefit for Heisman. Anything you want. Well, we do giveaways all the time. Big bets on campus, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Stucky is right. We do giveaways all the time. This year, no exception. We need reviews so bad. Positive Apple podcast reviews for Big Bets on Campus. Say whatever you'd like. We just need that five-star rating and review. I will personally read every review. We'll give away Action Network hoodies, hats. We'll give away Action Annual Pro subscriptions for free. Lots of giveaways, but we need to climb those rankings. If you say, oh, I already left a review. Hey, that's great. Grab your girlfriend's phone. Grab your mom's phone. Uh, The person next to you at the bar's phone. Leave an extra review. They all matter. They all count. Really appreciate it. We'll be doing this all call all year, and we're happy to bribe you. So excited to be back, and we're going to be back right after this with part two. See you there. Catch you later. Cheers. Peace out. Peace out.